Hello, heathens, and welcome to Spinning the Wheel podcast with me, your incredibly spooky host, Megan Angus. This week, we will be taking a look at Samhain season, waning moon in Leo, lunar week 36 by some lunar calendars. Okay, uh, it's officially motherfucking spooky season official. Uh, we've been waiting all year, kids. We've lived through it. We've managed. We've struggled. We've arrived. It's time to get your good clothes out of the back of the closet. If you are in the Northern Hemisphere, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, I'm so sorry. You're about to go into a very hot season and we're not talking about that right now. What we're talking about is fog, the smell of rotting leaves, and, uh, right? Gloam, brillig, darkness, the depths, the dusk, the twilight. <clears throat> I may or may not be biased about this particular season. Uh, the jury is still out. <laughs> okay, let's get into some actual um, information about this. Yay! It's salad season. It's spooky season. I'm so excited. Yeah! Okay. I think that's out of my system now. It's probably not. I'm sure I'm going to go back into that at some point. <laughs> um... Okay, let's let's get into some actual some meat, some tofu. Uh, let's get into some actual uh, materia here. <laughs> As usual, let us start off by orienting ourselves in the work that we are about to get into for this season. Um, for Samhain, for witches, for pagans, for heathens, for a lot of us polytheists out there. We are bringing a real intense focus on the life-death-rebirth cycle itself. Um, we talk about it in its various phases throughout the year, but at Samhain season in particular, we are really thinking hard about that um, in, for a wide variety of reasons, which we're going to get into over the next, you know, eight weeks, right? Um, but... Partially because for a lot of uh, pagans and witches and heathens, this is New Year's. This is the end of the old energetic year and the beginning of the new year. There are other polytheistic groups that celebrate New Year's at this time of year, right? Uh, we just had Jewish New Year, um, you know, a few weeks ago or a month-ish ago, um, you, know, it, you know, culminating with the, the harvest cycle um the grain harvest cycle um but yeah there's there's a real energetic shift as we move into the truly dark half of the year um and so uh we are also of course you know completely surrounded by again if you're here in the northern hemisphere um witnessing the death or at least the dissolution of the physical plane right we are watching all of these um, incredible systems around us 
that have been so verdant and so abundant and so fertile for months and months and months, just giving up food, berries and edible herbs and vegetables and fruits as far as the eye can see, right? For months, we've barely had to do anything. We had to pray to the gods for some rain every now and then, and then pray to the gods to stop the rain every now and then so we can have a good safe harvest, right? But otherwise, this earth, the earth is just sort of like, producing this incredible abundance it has stopped she it they have stopped right and we're witnessing the plants change color change shape um some plants are going dormant some plants are dying right uh their seeds have dropped and gone into the ground and their seeds are going to wait until next year before they have any activity now this isn't true for all plant life obviously there's some plant life that really kind of comes alive in winter season here in the northern hemisphere um and those plants become really pivotal to humanity's survival uh psychologically and physically <laughs> um but we're really witnessing this massive uh transition this massive transformation of the earth sort of saying i used to live one kind of life and now i'm turning into a different shape i'm turning into a different form i'm expressing another version of myself a different side of myself and it's a frightening side for a lot of us humans because it has been so abundant and lush and generous. And now the earth is sort of withdrawing that abundance and generosity, right? It's saying, hey, I've been producing apples and grains and a variety of stuff for you all year long. I need to do me for a minute. I need to pull that energy back in and take care of myself for a minute or whatever it is that the earth is thinking as it moves into this next phase. So this phase, this face of the earth goddess of the earth mother is frightening to us. It's the same ex experience that we have as baby humans when we are wanting our mother's attention. We're, you know, perhaps, um, <clears throat> uh mom is holding uh the bottle of milk or uh you know mom is holding our favorite toy or whatever it is we want mom's attention and from our perspective mom is everything right mom is all or whoever that parental figure person is they're they're sort of the all right and the, the, maybe they have a phone call. Maybe there's a friend at the door. Who knows what? But they sort of like, eh, get out of my face. I'm trying to do this other thing. The rejection is like, oh, what? You know, it 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 shocks us as a baby. It shocks us as a child that um, mother could ever turn away. That mother could ever have something else to do with their time or their energy other than us. So it's, it's that, but on a really big scale, <laughs> it's that, but like for the next six months, you know, not just for a moment, one afternoon, um, that is really kind of what a lot of this fear or this, um, anxiety is that can come up for us, uh, even though it might feel like excitement or it might feel like anticipation for the shift. There's also something on a very profoundly deep biological level happening for us that is like oh what have we done 
Why is the earth turning away from us? Where is she going? Where are they going with that energy? They've given us food and shelter for so long, and they have provided these incredible months and seasons of weather that has allowed us to travel and live outside if we want to, and you know, barely wear any clothing, and now that seems to be shifting. Why? Why? <laughs> right? Um, you know, something that I'll talk about more so as we move through Yule season, where we are really in the heart of the, the chilly, icy, cold face of the goddess, um, is think about who you are in the height of summer, in the height of that heat. Um, and then think of who you are in the height of winter. Um, and the height of that chilliness, that coldness. We live very significantly different lives and we are very different people. We have different sleep cycles and different food cycles and all of that stuff. And here in Samhain season is where we really get an eye full, <laughs> a mouthful, a heart full of witnessing that shift and how we don't really have a choice in that process. We have to go along with it, or I'm going to freeze to death, right? If I persist in attempting to live my life in the middle of December or January or February, the way I was living in July or August, I'm probably not going to be healthy, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm eating different foods. I'm wearing different clothes. I'm just not taking care of myself in the way I need to for winter. It really requires us to shut some stuff down, right? To say no to some fun things, to say no to or to um, put away um, an easier life, an easier lifestyle. Easier in a lot of ways. Not always, but easier in a lot of ways. Winter asks us to do more work. It makes us be more present. It requires us to pay attention more. <laughs> and in ways that are often a bummer, in ways that call on our maturity um, and our the, the, the wise parts of us, not so much the fun-loving, spontaneous, um, you know, brash parts of us. That's been the Holly King. That's been the, the side of us that's been sort of running amok and having a great time. And Samhain is really sort of the death knell. It truly, um, and we see that in our pagan symbolism. We see that in so many myths uh, for different gods and goddesses. We truly see an incredible number of vegetation gods in particular and kings and sovereigns and heroes and other masculine or mask identified characters um, and gods and ancestors and, and mythic folk um, die at this time of year or significantly lose power. They're downgraded to plain old person rather than being somebody really important and um, carrying a lot of responsibility in their culture. So they either just straight up die or they suffer a really significant downgrade in their power, their responsibility, um, their, their, you know, uh, presence. And that is, again, a reflection of what is happening in the natural world and what people are seeing um, and experiencing. They're feeling the night get longer. They're feeling the air get colder. We're waking up at this point and we're seeing frost on the ground in the mornings. That's not happening most days in August, right? 
We know that the shift is coming and there's nothing we can do about it. There's nothing we can do about it. It is as inevitable as death. It is death in a sense. But Samhain season also is this very wonderful, in my opinion, natural reminder that everything dies, everything changes shape, everything goes through transformations and transitions. Um, everything, everything, everything mundane and even everything holy, right? If we think that like, why am I being subjected to uh, this change? Well, the gods are too. So we aren't being asked to do anything that even the gods themselves have had to, had to deal with it, let alone the blackberry bush, right? <laughs> let alone the potatoes, um, let alone the sheep um, or the cattle. We're all being asked um, we're not being asked, we're being told, <laughs> we're all being asked to step into this transformation and this transition and to let go of the old and make space for whatever the new thing is going to be. And also give ourselves time for rest and to hang out in the void in between the incarnations, in between the, the points of action right? We're not constantly growing vegetation. We're not constantly harvesting vegetation. There is a quiet portion to that rhythm and that cycle. There is a down part. There's an off part. Um, and that is good and necessary. It is also hard and frightening to us on a biological and a psychological level. So understanding the combination of the effect of all of that stuff is, I think, really key to being able to walk through this season with grace and also be able to really take um, the best of it to give yourself the opportunity to really sit in the season. Jack-o'-lanterns are cute. Costumes are fun. Candy is wonderful. Um, you know, and seances and divinatory practices and all of that stuff is cool. Um, but really understanding for yourself the psychological trip that we go on uh, in the underworld journey that is the end of fall and all of winter uh, is profoundly important. It can be incredibly healing and I think also extremely empowering because it shows us, um, well, you know, <laughs> the image that really comes to mind is like when we go into the dark cave and we calm down enough and our breathing slows enough and our eyes finally adjust to the darkness and we become comfortable in the darkness and we begin to be able to see the glow in the dark phosphorescent mushrooms and, and, you know, fungi that are all up and down the caves, the glow in the dark lichen that are, you know, all up and down the walls of the cave and around our feet. It's that thing, but we have to go into the dark and we have to sit there for a minute before that magic can reveal itself. Okay. Let's get into um, our holy days and our astrology and our lunar work for this week. Because um, I think that's a good enough preamble. I think you've got the gist of what we're doing here this season. <laughs> All right, let's get into it. Okay, so October 28th starts this lunar week for us. And this week starts off with a waning half or 
last quarter moon at five degrees of Leo at 1.05 p.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else around the planet. Um, so we want to think about the fact that, A, this is a waning half. And our half moons always present us a little bit of a crisis moment because they're square to the sun. Um, and this is the point where we want to be reviewing how things have been going and um, decide what we're not carrying forward in the next cycle. And in particular, this moon is in Leo. So we're looking at ourselves and we are examining, you know, failures and shortcomings around leadership stuff or um, risky behaviors that we maybe have participated in this year or at least in the last few months. Um, gambles maybe that we took that didn't pay out. Um, it really is a point in the process where we also want to look at maybe, you know, things that did work, but that we have outgrown, um, or things that worked for us in the moment, but maybe weren't serving the larger picture. And that larger picture thing is also the larger picture of ourself. For example, um, this might be a place to really examine places where we have, uh, where we are still engaging in like really negative self-talk or we are still engaging in really like defensive thinking when it comes to the people around us as ways of shutting stuff down because we're not investing in ourselves um, or we are not like ready to believe in ourself. That stuff too, right? Because that's all ego-based and that's Leo. <laughs> that's, that's that thing, right? So we want to give up those places where we have been performative, either performative for other people or performative for ourselves. Um, and... Um, and really witnessing, you know, ultimately that stuff in us that is, okay, so October 28th starts this lunar week for us. And this week starts off with a waning half or last quarter moon at five degrees of Leo at 1.05 p.m. Pacific Standard Time later in the day for everybody else around the planet. Um, so we want to think about the fact that, A, this is a waning half. And our half moons always present us a little bit of a crisis moment because they're square to the sun. Um, and this is the point where we want to be reviewing how things have been going and um, decide what we're not carrying forward in the next cycle. And in particular, this moon is in Leo. So we're looking at ourselves and we are examining, you know, failures and shortcomings around leadership stuff or um, risky behaviors that we maybe have participated in this year or at least in the last few months. Um, gambles maybe that we took that didn't pay out. Um, it really is a point in the process where we also want to look at maybe, you know, things that did work, but that we have outgrown, um, or things that worked for us in the moment, but maybe weren't serving the larger picture. And that larger picture thing is also the larger picture of ourself. For example, um, this might be a place to really examine places where we have, uh, where we are still engaging in like really negative self-talk 
or we are still engaging in really like defensive thinking when it comes to the people around us as ways of shutting stuff down because we're not investing in ourselves um, or we are not like ready to believe in ourself. That stuff too, right? Because that's all ego-based and that's Leo. <laughs> that's, that's that thing, right? So we want to give up those places where we have been performative, either performative for other people or performative for ourselves. Um, and... Um, and really witnessing, you know, ultimately that stuff in us that is, that is indicative of the vegetation gods in us <laughs> that have in various ways meant uh, virility or abundance or, you know, bigness <laughs> in whatever way. And it's time now to let that stuff go. Um, let it rot, let it decay, let it fall off, let it um, die so that it can be reborn in a new form later, something more useful to us, more suited to the work that we're doing at that time. Okay, for our lunar body work that we are doing with our waning moon in Leo, we are resting, nourishing, relaxing, supporting, or otherwise restoring the heart and our circulation and our blood. As I say every week, uh, I am not a medical doctor in any uh, fashion <laughs> or stretch of the imagination. Um, so please get with your trusted health advisor if you are wanting to incorporate any of the information from uh, this podcast series into your health regimen. Um, and so for our plant body work, while we have this waning moon in Leo, we are harvesting, we are doing pest control, perhaps plowing or aerating the soil, we are weeding and we are pruning. And of course, again, we want to be thinking about the fact that we are in the dark half of the year. This is, um, Samhain is the, the third harvest, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and uh, so you know, yes, this is still a, an appropriate time to harvest things if they are in a harvestable condition. In a lot of places, um, the rains have come and things are already starting to mold or decay or get mildew on them or other sorts of, you know, fungal growths that are not safe for consumption. Uh, there are some fungal growths that are super safe for human consumption. Do with that information what you will. Might be a nice night to go harvest those sorts of things. Um, but also when we're thinking about uh, pruning, we want to be thinking about pruning for winter. So helping the plant prepare for less light and, and maybe more water. Okay. Uh, for our astrology on this day, we have Venus in Sagittarius, sextile Jupiter in Aquarius at 22 degrees. This is a lovely transit that will last more or less about 24 hours. Um, this brings feelings of contentment and benevolence. We may all be feeling a little more expansive, a little bit more generous. That's a lovely vibe to be going into Samhain and Halloween weekend with. Um, it's all about people and hanging out and having a good time, enjoying yourself, uh, you know, pleasure, even business stuff, um, buying things and selling things is enhanced with this uh, sextile. Um, okay, let's move on to the holy days of October 28th. All right, holy days for October 28th. Um, 
on this day kicks off uh, the Celtic tree month of reed. It runs from October 28th to November 23rd. Um, and reeds are absolutely tied to death and ancestor work, um, mediumship, uh, dealing with ghosts and spirits. Um, their haunting sound um, that they often make near the shore of a lake or a river um, as wind they break wind blows past them and they actually sound like pipes or voices um, howling and kind of you know moaning in the wind um, the reed moon uh, which is this full moon that's near this time of year was called a negatal um, or Nyatal by the Celts and is uh, sometimes referred to as the Elm Moon by modern pagans, uh, which I have listed in our um, Samhain book for my patrons. Um, this is a wonderful month for any kind of divination, scrying, seances, uh, working with spirit guides, energy, meditation, um, again, focusing on that uh, life, death, rebirth process um, and transformative experiences of experiences based in transformation, all that stuff. All of these things are emphasized in the month of read. Okay. Also kicking off on this day for some groups is uh, running from October 28th to November 2nd, the Zetesis <clears throat> and Heresis. Uh, this is for modern pagans as well as modern uh, Egyptian pagans um, or pagans that are very influenced by uh, the Egyptian pantheons. This is the Isis and Osiris uh, death and resurrection myth. Now, um, if you've been listening to the podcast, we have already talked about this. We actually talked about this around Lunasod season. Um, and so here is where there is some conjecture slash difference in opinions around um, these ancient holidays. Um, by some calendars, uh, the Isis Osiris myth of his death and resurrection, death by the hands of Set um, and resurrection, um, happen around the Nile uh, flooding cycle and the heliacal rising of the fixed star Sirius. It was tied to the beginning of the Egyptian New Year um, by some sources. There are other sources that believe uh, when all that information is translated that it uh, the dates for these festivals are much, much later into the year um, after the Nile flooding has happened and it has receded and calmed down a bit and some other farming adventures have taken place um, and those sources are absolutely certain that these dates are much further on in the year now, in fact, here, um, and lining up with different fixed heliacal rising, fixed star heliacal risings, et cetera, et cetera. These dates um, are the dates that are generally uh, supported or favored by modern pagans who work with Egyptian gods, goddesses and gods. And, I have a variety of opinions about that, um, but the number one opinion is that um, it, it's difficult to know. That's actually my number one opinion, is it's difficult to know. It's difficult to tell. Um, also, to not hold on to, to anything from the ancient past too tightly, because 
there is always another archaeological dig. There is always another translation that comes out 20 years later, 15 years later, whatever, and totally changes our perspective and our understanding of things. And so what I really think is the most important thing is that if you work with the Egyptian pantheon and the Osiris death and resurrection myth is important to you that you absolutely celebrate it at some point in the year, whether you do it earlier in the year where it's tied to um, what would be the traditional rise and flood of the Nile Delta um, and the helical rising of Sirius, or if you tie it to now where we have um, this really lovely death and resurrection imagery happening in lots of other polytheistic systems, um, I think it's more important that you just pick a time that feels good for you and sits with you comfortably. If your logic mind is like, I need the science, then go with that. If your spirit mind is like, nope, I'm doing this when it feels seasonally connected and I see the darkness coming and it makes sense to do it. Okay, do it now then. Um, I think that's more important because we may never know exactly the right day is 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 the other hand of it we may never know exactly what days these festivals were supposed to happen on um and so in my opinion that's my opinion um i think it's more important that if it's important to you you make the time to witness it and celebrate it and acknowledge it somewhere at some point okay so this is a five-day festival of the death of Isis, excuse me, the death of Osiris, a uh, vegetation god, at the hands of Set. Um, he is chopped up into a bunch of pe pieces, um, and Isis and her sister Nephthys uh, go searching for um, the pieces, and they eventually find all of them except his penis. And so they uh, put him all back together, they mummify him and make him a whole body again. <clears throat> and then she casts a penis out of gold and puts that uh, on or wraps that into the mummy as well. And then she uh, makes love to him and he becomes a god in the lands of the dead. And really he becomes the god of the underworld and the god of the dead. And she becomes pregnant and gives birth to Horus. Um, who then goes on to have a variety of interesting adventures. But um, that's this thing. And that is happening at this time of year for some groups, along with a lot of other really fancy and cool death holidays, uh, which we will get into. Okay, also on this day, we have the Feast of Maximon. This is a Mayan deity. Uh, they are also sometimes referred to as San Simon or San Simon. And we also have the, Sa the Feast of St. Simon, uh, from our Catholic ancestors on this same day. Uh, Maximum is a death god and a trickster god. Um, he does some uh, plant fertility stuff, I believe. Let me check the notes here. Um, but yeah, definitely a trickster, um, you know, a protector, a magician, um, all of that type of stuff. And we see um, a, a few different holidays at this time of year, especially this week in particular, uh, dedicated to archetypes like that. Um, so we also have this Feast of St. Simon on this same day. We also have the Feast of St. Jude from our Catholic and Islam friends and ancestors. Um, uh, St. Jude is the saint of desperate cases and desperate situations. And that's a fair vibe for this time of year. That's a pretty fair vibe for this time of year. 
Also on this day, we have the feast of Baba and Dido from our Slavic ancestors. And this is literally the feast of grandma and grandpa. Baba is, yes, Baba Yaga, but all of the Babas, which are the ancient wise women who carry a variety of tools and skills and bits of knowledge and things like that. And Dido is very much a grandfather type. He is very similar to a St. Nicholas or a Santa Claus type character. Not exactly the same. Uh, He's dressed in blue and white. um, So we have that very blue-white icy thing. Blue and white uh, is a a color combo that you will see with a variety of different gods and goddesses um, at this moment in the year. Um, And so that kind of brings me to a little list that I have made for this week, because uh, if I actually go into the uh, granular details of every holiday that we have this week, I will literally just be repeating myself over and over and over again. So what I'm going to say is this. (laughs) In this week, we have three main collections of holidays or festivals happening and they all overlay each other. They all are similar or carry similar elements to each other. Um, The first collection that we have are festivals and holidays that welcome in the dark half of the year. Um, And so in that we have the, um, uh, we have Samhain, of course. (laughs) Uh, We have, um, Noskelengeif, which is the Welsh name for basically saying the dark half of the year is starting. Welcome to it. Um, We have uh, the um, death and resurrection of Osiris happening here. We have the descent of Inanna happening potentially at this time of year. That's another one that is a possibly a modern pagan construct possibly this festival did take time at this time of year take place at this time of year um there are other sources that say the descent of inanna and or the descent of ishtar both goddesses and myths are very similar to each other uh actually only took place once every eight years in alignment with the orbital pattern of the planet venus Those are the types of records that we have lost to time at this point in human history. We don't know. Um, And again, I think the more important thing is if it's important to you, mark it somewhere, somehow. Um, Don't get so hung up on, did I get it on exactly the right day? Was the moon exactly in the right sign? Don't worry about that so much. It's between you and the gods. It's between you and the gods. Okay. Other holidays that we are seeing in this week are holidays that look very closely at death, um, at deities that oversee the crossroads, oversee death, oversee the underworld journey, um, ancestors, um, uh, you know, all of that stuff, right? Turning into the dark half of the year, turning into the dark half of the of the self and so again we have the feast of baba and dido from our slavic ancestors the feast of maximon from our mayan friends the feast of shigidi from the yoruba folk the feast of Caradwin or saradwin and belly from our celtic friends um Calaic's reign begins at this time of year uh Calaic, of course is the great crone of the welsh and the scottish um 
The Day of the Banshee in Ireland, The Rites of Hell from our Norse friends, that's Hell, the, the goddess of the underworld. The Feast of Berenzamadi happens here for our voodoo friends and ancestors. The Feast of Ancestors uh, for Hopi and Zuni uh, Native Americans happens now. All Souls Day from our Catholic friends happens here. So this really massive pileup of just everybody around the world in the Northern Hemisphere pulling the whole car over and just being like, no, 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 no. <laughs> we need to take a minute. We need to light a candle because the darkness is upon us. And all of these festivals have different vibes, right? We have Dias de la Muertes at this time of year from our Mexican friends um, and our, our Latin American friends and ancestors. And, <clears throat> and, and, you know, and here is something that I want to uh, mark um, because there is a lot of conflation between Samhain and um, Dia, dos, uh, Dia de los Muertos, uh, and they have similarities. The holidays do have similarities, but they are not the same. Um, and what I would say is very similar about them is that there is a reverence for death, there is a reverence for the ancestors, um, and there is a celebration of life in both of those holidays. But in Samhain, there is a lot more emphasis on magic. And that is another set of holidays that we see during this week. We have the Feast of Ceredwin and Belly. We have the Feast of Idojuedo from our Yoruba friends and, and ancestors. We have the Feast of Our Lady of Magic from our pagan ancestors, um, or our modern pagan calendars, sorry. And we have the uh, Chalcia from our Greek ancestors. So um, there is this real emphasis in Samhain of speaking to the dead, holding seances, practicing mediumship, doing divinatory work, um, looking through the veil, speaking to those that are beyond the physical plane, a lot of that stuff, right? And it can carry a pretty spooky vibe. It's a serious vibe. It's pretty somber. It's kind of heavy. Um, and it is, again, very much about doing this this very particular type of magical work. It's pretty intrinsic for a lot of pagans and witches that celebrate Samhain particularly. How that is different from a holiday like Dia de los Muertos is that holiday is very much centered around reverence of ancestors and celebrating their lives and celebrating life. So it is, generally speaking, a much more cheerful, much more happy, much more celebratory feeling. There's a lot of getting together with friends and family and hanging out and having a good time. There's loud music on. We're eating tasty food. There's bright lights. The dogs are running around barking and the kids are running around yelling and we're having fun. Maybe people are shooting off fireworks, that kind of stuff. Um, people go out to cemeteries and graveyards and party and like hang out and have a good time. They dress up the, the graveyards and the individual graves of their ancestors and their beloved dead. And it very is, it's very celebratory, bright, colorful, and fun. And it's not to say that Samhain doesn't also contain elements of that. There's lots of witches who get silly on Samhain. Um, but 
first and foremost, Samhain is a, is a, is a little bit more of a heavy vibe. <laughs> so know that also, you know, it's perfectly appropriate to celebrate that type of stuff both ways this week or this weekend or throughout the season of Samhain. Don't think that you have to pick one or the other. You are welcome to put on a goofy costume, go trick-or-treating, have a good time, pull pranks, have some jokes, you know, get silly, get, get stupid for part of it. And then also to have moments of reverence, quiet, um, to be somber, to reflect, to grieve, to mourn, um, to honor, like all of that stuff is also super necessary and appropriate. And I think that um, it's really healthy to, to do all that stuff in turn, to ask ourselves what feels right. Is it good for me to go out and party all night? on Halloween weekend, maybe so, but I also, maybe the next day, you know, November 1st, I'm going to go sweep some, some gravestones or I'm going to, um, you know, spend a day in prayer or, you know, whatever, right. You, we all have our various ways that we express and explore our spiritual practices. So, okay. <clears throat> that is everything that I want to say about October 20. 8th. I'm going to go through the rest of the week fairly quickly. Um, and if you want more information on this holiday and all of the stuff that we're doing in it, watch my Samhain class slash we will be talking about this stuff for the next eight weeks. So, okay, let's move on. Okay, October 29th, our waning moon is still hanging out in Leo. We don't have any other astrology of note happening on this day. Although I will take this moment to say this. We have Saturn hanging out in Aquarius. We have the sun hanging out in Scorpio. We have um, Uranus hanging out in Taurus. And we have the moon passing through Leo. This is creating what is called a T-cross or a grand cross in the fixed signs of the chart. And so even though we only have a little bit of astrology to talk about this week, the entire week may have a little bit of a vibe of, I can't make any forward progress, everything feels stuck, slash, I'm really committed to, to the status quo. I want to keep things the same slash how do I feel about keeping things the same or this world feels like it's never going to change. It's always going to be stick in the traditional and the status quo and maintaining the and, 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 okay. That's a lot of the stuff that we're that we wrangle with when we're working with fixed signs in the sky and in our chart. Um, fixed signs are really committed to sustaining things. Um, uh, our cardinal signs get stuff started and the fixed signs are like, cool, let's just keep that going. <laughs> they don't want to add stuff. They don't want to subtract stuff. They want to just maintain things. And that's cool. We need sustaining energy in our lives for stuff that needs to be sustained, right? <laughs> but we don't want to be afraid of change. And that we are moving into a season that is sort of um, embodied in the idea of transformation and transition um, it's really important for us to uh, take that opportunity of feeling that fixedness and allow it to be a starting point for a conversation with ourselves around where am I stuck? Where, where do, am I afraid of change? Um, what are the things in me that are everlasting? 
that that kind of stuff is the work that we can do. And the places where we feel uncomfortable, where we feel, feel friction with our friend group, with our work, with our world, those are the places where we could really start the conversation for ourselves. What is it here that I'm holding on to? What is it here that I value so much and really truly believe should stay? Um, is there fear in this? Is there scarcity based thinking? You know, that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, the other thing I have to say about October 29th before we move on is um, between the dates of October 25th and November 1st every year is the Festival of Mokosh from our Slavic friends and ancestors. And I am going to mention that briefly and then we're going to come back to it because I want to take a little moment to talk about Mokosh because um, she is really, really cool. Um her holiday this year falls on October 29th. Her holiday falls on the last Friday in October every year. A lot of people have just fixed the date to October 28th, um, but October 29th is actually the last Friday of, of, uh, of October. Okay, let us move on to October 30th. Okay, October 30th, we have a waning moon entering Virgo. So what kind of work are we doing with this waning moon in Virgo? Well, we are working on boundaries. We are working on boundaries with ourselves and other people. Um, this is a fantastic lunar portion to go spend some time alone in the wilderness, especially. Um, but and or we can also spend time alone in service to others and a uh, service that doesn't require us to be super emotionally invested. Um, so like putting in your headphones and picking up trash around your neighborhood, right? Um, you know, you want to go help the widow with a dying husband. That's cool. But that can really ask a lot of us um, emotionally. And this is a moon that we really, if we can, if we have the privilege and we can make the space in our life to have some alone time, it's really important. This is really like the last hermetic Virgo moons that we're going to have for an, a, almost another year. Like we're going to have Virgo moons again, but we're not going to have them so late in the cycle. Um, the disseminating moon, the full moon, you know, the way the waxing moons as we go forward, you know, through fall and into winter um, is what we'll see in Virgo moons. We're not going to have such a, a dark Virgo moon again for a long time. So um, it's really a great opportunity to kind of go in and talk with yourself around um, your boundaries. And, and again, that sort of that service that's simple that's solitary. You're not doing this for Instagram, that sort of thing. Um, and what I, what I really thought about was like the, our lunar work that we're doing with Leo a couple of days before, where we're kind of calling ourselves out on some of our behaviors that maybe aren't, you know, really serving the, the greater good and all that stuff. And what I really thought about was like with the, with the, the moon moving into Virgo was like, instead of trying to save the day, with like bluster and bravado, right? And just like show and be like, I'll fix everything. I promise I'll do that for you, blah, blah, blah. And we're not going to do it. Um, recognize one, we don't need another hero. Thank you, Tina Turner. Uh, and, you know, not only do we not need another hero, we need the floors swept. We need somebody to go change the filter out of the coffee pot. 
You know what I mean? We need, we need simple shit to just get done. <laughs> like that's super great that you've got like a fancy cape on and stuff, but could you just like vacuum? <laughs> could you just like get the basic shit done? Um, way greater use of our time and energy for our lunar body. While we are working with this waiting moon in Virgo, we are resting, relaxing, supporting, nourishing, or otherwise restoring our digestive organs and our digestive processes. Um, again, not a medical doctor, not trying to tell you how to live on that front, but you can work with the metaphor physically, as in I'm literally going to feed my gutty what's um, and, you know, add some probiotics or what have you, maybe take bitters after I eat, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but you would also work with the metaphor of, am I digesting the experiences that I've been having this year? Have I really been processing? Am I holding on to stuff that I should be letting go of? That works too. In fact, might even be more potent, uh, magic <laughs> for our lunar plant body work that we are doing. If you are a fan of the podcast, you know, don't fucking touch plants when the moon is in Virgo. Leave them alone. We're a little too nitpicky. We're a little too detail oriented. Um, but what I would say is you might feed your plants. You might, and, or you might do research around what would be good food for your plants. That's, that would be appropriate. In fact, any kind of research for your plants while the moon is in Virgo is appropriate in my opinion. Okay. <clears throat> All right, the astrology for October 30th, uh, we have a little bit of this and a little bit of that. We have, in fact, the sun in Scorpio square Saturn in Aquarius at seven degrees. That's part of that grand cross thing that I was just talking about a few moments ago. Um, the This really boils down to this. It possibly could be a day where you experience you know, uh, conversations with people or stuff at your job or stuff in your life, or maybe you just witness it in the world. Maybe it doesn't happen for you personally, but it really comes down to like a conflict of duty to the group or society, your job, whatever conflict, you know, the duty to this larger authoritative, um, system versus self-gratification. That's really kind of at the heart of what is going on with this square. So issues are going to get brought up that suck, <laughs> but they need to be examined. People think of Saturn uh, square the sun as like a day of bad luck or like a day that's like cursed or, you know, like bah, that kind of stuff. It's like bah, that, that's really regressive thinking in my mind. There's always going to be bad times mixed into the good times, mixed into the plain, normal, boring times right? Like we, we're going to get all of it all the time. So we know that some of the time there's going to be difficult stuff that comes up like this, like the sun square Saturn. And what a square like this is really indicating is, Hey, there's funky stuff going on and it's time to talk about it. It's going to come up to the surface today. It's going to get pointed at. It's going to make itself known. If you have already been working on this issue or these issues, then here is a day to continue to work on it. If you haven't been, then this may really feel like a day of like, why am I being attacked right now kind of stuff. Um, it may manifest as uh, feeling super restricted, feeling super limited. Maybe that even branches into feeling depressed or just bummed out. Um, might be conflicts with authority or authority figures. You may just really have low energy on this day. That is a normal thing as well when we're squaring Saturn because Saturn is so slow and 
so leaden, you know. <laughs> um, but squares also always give us the opportunity to work on a thing. Even if we're not making progress, it is a day that we can really get a good sense of exactly what's going wrong, exactly where the friction is. And again, I like to use the word friction because squares can be dynamic. And so in the very best way of working with this sun square Saturn, again, if we've been in our process and we've been having a like, let me be real with myself about this thing conversation, then this is a day where we're like, oh, that's what's wrong. Oh, now I understand why they're mad at me. Oh, now I get what's missing from this situation and why this isn't going to work. Okay. You know, so it can be a type of here. I'm, I'm making air quotes right now. Good news. <laughs> um, that's not good news, but it's good because it helps ultimately push the situation in the most healthy direction. That stuff. Okay. But, and also on this day, Mars enters Scorpio. So <laughs> as, as lovely as all of that sounded, <laughs> this could also be a day that you just wake up and choose violence. So <laughs> um, when Mars is in Scorpio, we are all more driven towards getting what we want. We are all um, driven towards the idea of exploring our emotional depths whether we are prepared to do that or not. <laughs> um, and we are all kind of driven towards experiencing and identifying with crisis as transformational and exhilarating. So this really can be a moment where drama for the sake of drama, right? Drama for the sake of the, the heart pounding, oh my God, what are they going to say next kind of thing. Um, so just be aware of that. We might be pushed or witnessing other people acting from places that are a little bit more extreme in their emotional expression. And that's subjective, right? If we know somebody who isn't very emotionally demonstrative, while Mars is in Scorpio, they may just be more so, a little bit more so than they usually would be. If we know people that are emotionally demonstrative while Mars is in Scorpio, they may have like some public breakdowns or some public ecstasy moments or something like that. So that thing, um, just be present with yourself. I'm not saying to do or don't do any of it. Feel your feelings. It's, we got to feel them at some point. So feel your feelings. Just be real with yourself. Be present with yourself. Um, okay. Let's move on to the, the, we've already talked about the, the, um, holy days for this day. Oh, the other thing I could mention about this day before we move on is we have the heliacal rising of the fixed star Kambalia. And this is a star that is at the very, very, very end of the constellation of Virgo. And it means like crooked claw or hooked claw. Um, and it is connected to a couple of different um, magical symbols that have funky backgrounds. But ultimately, for me, it really connects to um, our Crom Dub type figures that we talked about through Lunasod season, the dark crooked one, the dark bent one. Um, and that name also very much translating to the goddess Cleich and um, 
other dark goddesses like that who are bent, who are crooked, who are off. And they mean that in the figurative as well as the literal, like their bodies are literally bent and crooked, but also in the magical sense of not straight, but queer, <laughs> not straight, but bent, <laughs> different, off, um, not the usual, the unusual. Um, off the beaten path, all of that stuff. Uh, that This fixed star speaks very closely to that idea. All right, let's move on to the 31st. All right, that brings us to October 31st, and this is the day of Christmas. JK, just making sure you're paying attention. This is Halloween. That word literally means hallowed evening. Um, or the evening of Hallows, All Hallows Eve, another way of saying that. But ultimately, uh, witches, pagans, and heathens around the world refer to this night as Samhain. Um, and this is a pretty potent night for lots of pagans, heathens, and witches, and other polytheists around the planet. Um, okay. Let's get into lunar stuff. <laughs> we still have our waning moon in Virgo. So we have multiple days to do our Virgo work, um, to spend that time alone, to do that um, uh, service work for people in our community if, if we're called to do that. Um, and not touching the plants. Leave the plants alone. <laughs> Astrologically speaking, what have we got going on on this day? We have a very quick transit. Mercury in Libra, trine, Jupiter in Aquarius at 22 degrees. Um, <clears throat> Mercury made this trine to Jupiter recently uh, while it was in retrograde. So it is coming back around again to finish up the uh, triple hit that it is making with Jupiter here. Um, this is a day where everything business, everything commercial is enhanced and benefited. Um, our future plans, great day for making future plans. Um, everything commercial, buying and selling stuff, putting your brand out there, getting a message out there about what you do, what you offer, who you are. Very, very potent on this day. Um, it's a great day to sign a contract. It's a great day for a deal to culminate um, or come to some sort of conclusion. We are sharp-minded. We are expansive in our thinking, and we are open to opportunities. That's really what's up when we're getting um, Mercury and Jupiter together on this, uh, on the same page. Okay, and it took me no time at all to get through those things, so I'm going to briefly, briefly mention um, the holy days that we have on this day. Uh, what I, one of the ones I didn't mention before is specifically. <laughs> um, we have from October 31st through November 6th, Isaiah, uh, which is the festival of Isis from our Roman ancestors. Um, and this is not the festival of Osiris and Isis. It's the festival of Isis. Um, yeah. So to me, it's very similar to the festival of Inanna, um, which we also have on this day, the descent of Inanna. Also on this day, we have Ido Huedo Festival from our Yoruba uh, friends and ancestors, and that also um, is a magic god. That's a rainbow serpent deity um, that oversees um, magic and rain and weather and really fits in with a lot of our other um, magic and trickster gods that we were talking about earlier in the episode. Okay, let's move on to November 1st. 
All right, that brings us to November 1st. And as spooky and fancy and ultra, ultra dope as October 31st is, November 1st is really where we see the mega kickoff of like death o rama holidays and festivals and deities show up. It's like October 31st, cute, you know, have some candy. The next day is like, okay, no, really? Dead. <laughs> Actually, fucking dead. <laughs> okay. So on November 1st, our moon moves into the balsamic phase, which very much complements that vibe. Still in Virgo at 24 degrees, it reaches that degree at 6:28 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, later for everybody else around the planet. Um and again, as I was saying, this is truly our our last like very very hermetic as in hermit or hermitage. Um, hermetic Virgo moon. Um, and so it, whatever opportunity you have to be alone, to be still, to contemplate, to come into yourself, right? We're letting go of that egoic um, stuff that isn't serving us from, from uh, Leo moment. We're stepping into Virgo and being of service and we're just taking time with ourselves and pulling in. And then a few hours later, the moon moves into Libra. And so this balsamic moon in Libra um, invites us in this alone time where we're, you know, maybe giving ourselves healing and medicine, um, where we are, you know, doing service and whatnot. Now we come into a place where we want to be more sensual with ourselves. So our service alone time turns into sensual alone time. And this is a fantastic moon for really basking in your five senses and giving them pleasure, taste, touch, smell, all of it, listening, vision, like look at beautiful things, listen to beautiful things, taste beautiful things, touch yourself, like give yourself pleasure, 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 pleasure. And in that Recognize that your worth is not based in your ability to perform value. Your worth is not based in your ability to perform service. Your worth is inherent. You are a gem that deserves to be polished regularly and displayed under homophilic lights. <laughs> Polish yourself. Give yourself a good rub. Give yourself another good rub. <laughs> Don't stop until you have you have a nice sheen to the surface there. <laughs> but truly, we want to kind of, you know, it's it's a healing process to go from that place in, in the Leo moon at the beginning of the week of kind of calling yourself out on maybe short-sighted behaviors and, you know, being a little grandiose in some places where it wasn't necessarily the, the best move. Um, and then into that sort of hermetic, like, oh, I'll just serve, I'll sweep the floors. What was I thinking? And now this Libra moon is like, okay, <laughs> both of those places are a little extreme. How about I just enjoy myself because I'm fucking dope? How about that? <laughs> and like, we, we just move from that place out into the world. And I want to also say this. Um, we have a, a couple more days of that, of the moon hanging out in Libra, and then we are going to move into a new moon in Scorpio. That's next week. Um, and act actually, you know what? I'm going to save that. I'm going to, I'm snatching that back. We're going to wait a few minutes and I will pick up my thought that I was about to give you 
in a few minutes. Okay. While we have this balsamic moon in Libra for our lunar body work, we are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, and otherwise restoring the hips, the kidneys, and the bladder. So we are continuing. So hips, yay, that's sexy, that's sensual, that's yummy. Lots of fun stuff can happen with our hips. But with our kidneys and our bladder, we are still continuing with the metaphor, whether we want to be literal or we want to be um, metaphoric <laughs> uh, about it, right, of processing things and letting them go right? Allowing the stuff to move through us, but allowing those organs and those systems in us that digest and ultimately process and then filter out and let go of what we don't need anymore. We're still, we're still doing that stuff too. Okay. And for our plant body work that we're doing for this moon, nothing. While the moon is in Libra, we also want to just leave the plants alone. But while the moon is in Libra, I always think it's a cute time to dust off and wipe down the, the, the pots of your plants, sweep around your plants or vacuum, maybe set them up a little bit differently, put some crystals and decorations, you know, zhuzh them up, make it feel cute. That's very appropriate for while the moon is in Libra. Cuteness. Um, okay. That is all I'm going to say about this day. The Well, <laughs> and this, <laughs> and, and then several more minutes, right? Um, this day, November 1st, is the day that we see so many of those holy days that I was talking about at the beginning of the podcast. So on this day, we have uh, Dia de los Muertos begins um, from our Mexican, uh, Mexican and Latin American um, friends and ancestors. Calais reign begins today. The day of the Banshee begins today. The Rite of Hell, uh, the Feast of Baron Zamadi, um, the All Saints Day, the Feast of Our Lady of Magic. This is all here on November 1st. As I said, no October 31st, very cute. November 1st is like, okay, now we're serious about this. It's about to get motherfucking spooky up in this bitch. Um, <laughs> and away we go. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to November 2nd. Uh, once again, I said this earlier, but I will repeat myself. Um, for more, 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 lots more information on uh, all of these holy days, the astrology, the astronomy, tarot, meditations, prayers, and lots of other stuff uh, for working with Samhain season and all of the accompanying festivals and holidays, check out my video on um, YouTube. I have a two-hour lecture there. Um, or join my Patreon and you can get access at the $9 level a month and up to the workbook, which has prayers, has the eight-week calendar with um, all the holy days that I talk about in uh, the um, podcasts and the class, as well as the fixed stars and the lunar cycles and um, all of the stuff. <laughs> Join. Change your life forever. Sorry. If you know, you know. All right. Uh, November 2nd. <laughs> our balsamic moon is still in Libra. So we are still doing our Libra moon work on November 2nd. Moving into the astrology of this day. The first thing I want to mention is that on November 2nd, Mercury leaves its shadow phase. So it is officially done with its retrograde cycle in this portion of the year as of November 2nd. And so... Um, it's interesting that also on this day, Mercury hanging out in Libra squares Pluto in Capricorn at 24 degrees. Um, 
it started the retrograde hitting this square. It hit the square at some point during the retrograde, I believe. And now it's hitting it a third time, I think. <laughs> um, it's definitely hit it multiple times. Um, and so, one, we've talked about this already. And so I want to say, when we're having a Mercury square Pluto, we want to stay open-minded. We don't want to get into a loop of thinking. We don't want to fall into obsessive thinking. We may find that happening anyways. We may totally check out and suddenly check in again. And, you know, we have a thought or a song or a whatever running on autopilot in the back of our head. Um, it's very normal for a Mercury square Pluto moment. Um, but this is the last of these three squares, thanks to the retrograde. Um, for now anyways. Right. So what I would encourage is instead of thinking of this as like, Oh no, this would take it as an opportunity to look back over what tough lessons have you learned about the importance of your opinions or the lack of importance in your opinions. And what I'm really thinking about is our social media network crash that we experienced and how we all totally lived through it. Uh, we went an entire day without being able to tell grandma our opinion on something. I literally had a conversation with somebody um, who said, but if I leave Facebook, how will I tell people what I'm thinking? And I smiled at her and I said, with all due respect, who fucking cares? <laughs> and we had a good laugh. <laughs> and, and I said, no, but, but genuinely, Social media is predicated on the idea that our opinions matter on every last little damn thing. It's fun to tell stories. It's fun to talk about ourselves, but it is very egoic. It's very ego-based. And the idea that we need to jump on the internet on any level of regularity and tell every single person that we know, every single fucking thought that we have is fully a scam and a sham. Like that is a hundred thousand bajillion percent based on an egoic desire in us to be the center of attention and to believe that every single thing that we do carries some measure of import. But remember, we just went through this with the Virgo moon. Sometimes we just need the goddamn coffee filter changed and the floor swept and keep it to yourself, Chad. So, you know, we had a good laugh about that. And I, you know, and I mean that in the most loving sense. And, and, and here's me screaming into a microphone every single week, right? Who the hell am I to say? <laughs> so, uh, so let me also say um, that if you think you have something to say, and lots of us do have something to say, um, start a podcast, start a blog, start a newsletter, start a website. Don't rely on these Plutonian structures like Facebook to dictate when and how and where you get your message out into the world. If you really have something to say, create a platform for yourself and go say it. And I, I fully recommend and, and encourage you to do so. I absolutely encourage you to do so. I, I'm, I'm definitely not saying that from a, you know, be quiet, hush point of view. I'm saying if you're frustrated by systems like that, don't cling to them, move past them. So allow this Mercury square Pluto moment to give you an opportunity to reflect on that whole gigantic conversation of what am I doing with my opinions? Um, and, and, you know, how do I interact with the world at large in getting my message out? Quote unquote, what is my fricking message? You know, um, 
Have you had a particularly introspective trip this retrograde? Um, these uh, this this time period or this particular transit may indicate a moment where some last insights or some resolutions to this conversation come up for you. Okay, what else is happening on this day? Holy days that we've already talked about, the Feast of the Ancestors from our Hopi and Zuni friends and ancestors, All Souls Days from our Catholic friends, the, um, the Isis Osiris myth is still happening in the background. And then also on this day, we have um, Chalcia or Chalkaya from our Greek friends and ancestors. And I'm briefly just going to mention this. I, I cataloged this under um, holidays that celebrate magic, etc., which isn't exactly accurate on its surface because what it celebrates is craftspeople, but specifically weavers. And on this day, uh, by various years, different teams of men and women would take turns. The sacred peplos uh, or the, the tunic, the robe that the massive statue of Athena in her temple would wear every year, the weaving of it began on this day. Now, that's important, and we're going to get to that in just a second. So jot it down off the side, weaving stuff going on on this day. All right. Also on this day, a little old thing called Election Day, and vote, 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 vote. The most important elections that you can vote in are your local elections, your smallest elections. Your city, your county, and your state elections are the most important elections that you can vote in. Fuck the president. Who gives a shit? By that point, they're a shill anyways. I said it. I said it. Um, vote in your local elections. It makes a difference. Okay, let's move on to November 3rd. <laughs> All right, that brings us to November 3rd. And what we're going to talk about today is this, or on this day, is this. Our balsamic moon moves into Scorpio. Okay. So first off, I want to remind you that in the balsamic moon phase, we can kind of see into the future. So from a very practical standpoint, in terms of magic and spell casting, spell crafting, uh, any kind of ritual work based around divination, um, where we are asking questions about the future, we are wanting to divine what the heck is going to happen for us in the next few months, or working through fall, working through winter, etc., etc. Uh, this lunar phase, the balsamic moon in Scorpio, extremely supportive of all of that work. Really, really, really cool. <laughs> really cool. Okay. Also, just specifically with the balsamic moon, we're so close to the end we're that we are also really close to the new moon. So whatever is about to start in that new lunar process is like calling to us from beyond the veil, calling to us from beyond the, the void of the dark moon. Um, and so we want to be listening to that. That's happening for us every month as the moon moves through the balsamic phase every month before the new moon. Um, but especially so while it is in the sign of Scorpio, um, really, really potent, really, really supportive of magical workings of all kinds, and in particular, looking into the future. Again, we have lots of holidays this week dedicated to magical practitioners of various types, crossroad deities and entities, so lots of support on all the different worlds and levels here. Um, okay, at this moon, 
we want to take some time to reflect on the profound transformations that we have undergone. And every single person listening to this, at least on the planet Earth, I don't know if I'm making it off Earth yet. Please subscribe if I if you're on a different planet. I would love to know for the analytics. But um, if, if you've been on Earth, you've gone through some mega changes in the last two years, full stop. There's no way that you haven't. Your life has profoundly changed. Um, give yourself some time to reflect on that. Witness all of the changes that you have gone through. Don't judge yourself at all for you know, anything like, oh, I was successful at that change, or I wasn't successful, or I should have done more with my change, or I should have done this, blah, 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 blah. Shut up with all of that, right? We've already had that conversation. Get that ego negative self-talk out of the convo. Like, let yourself just say to yourself, I have changed profoundly in the following ways. Let me look at it and let me think about that. Okay, so... For a Scorpio moon, this is a little bit easier of a moon. A lot of our Scorpio moons can be emotional in a very wrenching kind of way. Um, we may have issues around shame come up or issues around rage. Um, and, uh, you know, and those are valid feelings, especially in this day and age. Uh, not saying that, but they are also hard, right? It's hard stuff. It's hard work to do. Um, and this Scorpio moon is like a, we get to kind of look back over the process and go, wow, remember that time, you know, that I, I flipped out? <laughs> remember, all, remember all the cool stuff that happened because I flipped out? You know, <laughs> that thing. We kind of take a moment to look back on our process um, and uh, congratulate ourselves a little bit. Um, pat ourselves on the back, be nice to ourselves, you know, celebrate ourselves a bit over the profound changes um, that we have experienced in our lives as individuals in this um, really wild world and time that we live in. Um, so we want to um, we want to look back on those changes. We want to look back on how we dealt with those changes, um, and also why I encourage you to kind of like give yourself a piece of cake and a pat on the pat on the back at this point in the lunar process is because. The new moon in Scorpio is a tough new moon. It's just a tough new moon, period. Um, and then we also have some other kind of tough uh, astrology sort of hanging out at the edges with that big T-square that's in the sky with all the other fixed signs. Um, it's just tense and it feels a little stuck. And um, But any new moon in Scorpio can be a tough new moon for for anybody so i especially on this balsamic moon in scorpio encourage you to have a sweet moment for yourself um acknowledge your successes around uh your adaptation acknowledge your successes around being able to kill off old forms of yourself and kill off um you know outmoded ways of thinking and kill off um killing off the old parts of yourself that you know, need to die so that the health of the holistic system can be assured, which is the symbolism that we are working with at this time of year, for sure, for sure. <laughs> um, this is also a really great moon to be of service to folks who have gone through 
super profound experiences of change and transformation and who are still recovering from it. So for example, people in our community that may be suffering from uh, or living with PTSD or recovering from really intense trauma, abuse survivors, refugees, um, people who have lost their homes to fire or uh, to flood or other climate change, um, you know, people who have just gotten out of jail, those folks, uh, folks that have had extreme experiences are trans friendly, like our friends and our loved ones and our coworkers and community members and teachers and children and parents and brothers and sisters that are trans who are going through profound transformations in whatever way they are transforming um, and need help, literally need support, need us to go over and cook a meal, sweep the floor, make a joke, roll a joint, you know, whatever needs to get done, right? Um, coming in uh, and being there for the, the, the messy stuff um, and still being able to, um, you know, love and be open-hearted and, and support our people. That stuff is the stuff that we're doing with this balsamic moon in Scorpio. Okay. Um, lunar body work for this waning, waning moon in Scorpio. We are resting, relaxing, nourishing, supporting, and otherwise restoring our genitals, our sex organs, our pleasure organs, and our uh, waste management organs and processes. Um, any parts of the body that fall into any of those categories, nourishing, resting, relaxing, supporting. Uh, and for plant body work, we are planting or transplanting or maybe grafting, but I don't know, it seems a little late in the year for that. Um, but definitely planting or transplanting where we really want to support uh, root health and below ground growth. Okay, that is our lunar stuff for November 3rd. And now I am going to uh, tell you a little story about the Slavic goddess Mokosh. Okay, as I mentioned before, um, the festival for Mokosh, um, celebrated by our Slavic friends and ancestors, happens between October 25th and November 1st uh, every year. It is the last Friday of October. This year, that is October 29th. Um, lots of places have just fixed her uh, holiday on the 28th. And then there are some days or uh, some places that celebrate it for that last week, basically, of October leading up to November 1st. And as we talked about, November 1st is kind of the like, it's officially spooky mofos. Watch out. Okay. So who is Mokosh? Why are we putting a special spotlight on this goddess? Uh, because she's rad um, is why. Okay. Mokosh uh, is a fertility goddess. And um, I absolutely say is because she is actively worshipped by lots of pagans from around the world. But uh, in unbroken-ish lines of pagans in the Slavic regions. And I say unbroken-ish because a lot of the pagan traditions have held on in uh, the Slavic regions pretty well. Um, not complete systems always, not everything, sometimes just a little bit of stuff, but 
you know, the Eastern region will have one version and the Western region has another version and you put them together and it's like, oh, okay, we're starting to get a, a, a clearer picture here. So um, pretty cool uh, amounts of uh, their pre-Christian uh, religions and cultural and spiritual practices have been retained. So Mokosh is a goddess that they work with. And she is a fertility goddess. She oversees women's issues in general. So birthing, pregnancy, children, rearing of children. But um, a lot of folks believe that that is um, the emphasis on those aspects of her have come from the Christianizing of this region of the world. And that before that, happened um that yes she did oversee those things but those weren't the only things they weren't the primary things and that she was also very much a goddess of magic a goddess of overseeing destiny and fate and fortune and a goddess of weaving and weaving is already something that we've talked about this week and uh weaving is something that we see abundantly in a variety of different winter goddesses uh, from all throughout Europe. Um, so her having a connection to that is really interesting because we're coming into the dark half of the year and here's her festival. Um, so pushing further into her name, her name means wetness or wet or moisture. Um, and when we push even further, we find that she is probably a modern-ish, and I say modern as in the last two-ish thousand years, a modern adaptation of a significantly older goddess named <clears throat> Mati Siria Zemlaya or Mati Zemlaya. And she was depicted as always damp. She was always wet. Uh, she was always fertile. She was the protector of sperm or the protector of semen. And she was depicted as a hole in the ground. Pretty straightforward imagery there. Uh, <laughs> if you're following along with the channel. <clears throat> and so, um, Marizemlaya also oversaw all of this, you know, children and birth and fertility and stuff, but also oversaw storms and uh, the seasons and um, the the earth itself and, and the fertility of the earth, but destiny, weaving, all of that stuff. Uh, interestingly to me, <coughs> one of the things that are uh, offered to Mokosh even still today are distaves that are made from oak and uh, have hemp spun at the top. Now, oak, of course, connects us to our oak king for modern Wiccans and pagans, uh, and that is the face of the god that rules or sort of, you know, reigns uh, during winter and the, the dark half, um, or that, you know, from, from uh, uh, winter solstice to summer solstice. Um, uh, and hemp is a material that is incredibly strong. It is a 
incredibly strong, naturally occurring fiber. In fact, hemp is part of the reason why boats uh, were able to sail further and further. China uh, wove some of the strongest material known to man for an incredibly long time out of hemp fibers uh, that sailors around the world sought out to be able to put on their boats because the sails would last for so long and could handle such rough weather. Um, and so uh, distaves made from oak and hemp really have this sense of toughness and longevity and, um, you know, everlast kind of kind of a vibe, right? Okay. So what I think is the most interesting thing about uh, Mo Kosha's myths, the way that she's described and the way that folks seem to interact with her is um, in a lot of our myths that we look at and talk about at this time of year, goddesses are um, acting on a situation or they're going through a process. Mokosh is the process. And so for me, she really exemplifies the a, a lot of the deep heart of our Samhain symbolism and our, um, you know, this October 31st, November 1st, all these different festivals, this deep, profound transformation because uh, Mokosh seems to connect to some of the other uh, vegetation goddesses that we see at different times of the year. Um, uh, Jiva is one of them. Um, and they are lively. Their bodies are made of flowers. They are, you know, literally like living light and uh, the verdant green of the, of the pasture and things like that. Um, <clears throat> that's how they're described. And then Mokos come, Mokosh comes along and she's literally the wet, damp, boggy, soggy earth. And what it makes me think about is, um, kind of the, the really profound difference between um, the hermetic worldview and the pagan worldview, where the hermetic worldview is that, you know, humanity is this masculine thing that is acting on the receptive feminine world paradigm, the universe, uh, reality. Um, and it's just waiting there, fertile, for something to happen. And then we, the masculine force, come in and make a thing happen. Um, and that is reflected in a lot of our goddess stories that we get passed to us, that the goddess went on this adventure, this goddess, the goddess had this thing happen to them, right? Persephone goes to the underworld and she changes, but you know, we don't see her body change. She goes into the underworld and comes back out again. Inanna goes into the underworld and comes back out again. <clears throat> um, you know, and, and what we don't see a lot of is the goddess herself going through the change. Um, but in Mokosh, we see this goddess actually become, like she she leaves her form as the verdant, abundant, lush earth, you know, made of fruits, made of vegetables, made of flowers, right? Made of, of all this vegetation um, into literally I'm made of the bog. I'm made of the soggy, wet, black earth. And what I think about is the, the shift there of, of 
in one paradigm, we are almost witnessing ourselves live our lives. We're watching ourselves do stuff. And in the other paradigm, I am the thing. I, I am here, right? <laughs> and I'm doing this. And it's me. And this is happening. And it's happening to me. And I'm interacting with it. And we are acting on each other. And we are all woven together in that. It's a significantly different way of looking at our lives and the world and everything. Um, <laughs> just, just that, just little things like that is all we're talking about today on the podcast. Uh, <laughs> um, and so I'm just super fascinated by this goddess. I think she's really incredible. And I think that she uh, retains something um, that is pre, you know, <laughs> uh, pre all of that. Um, that maybe a lot of our other goddesses have truly lost for now um, because their stories have been so patricized. <laughs> they are, is that exactly the right word? They have been so turned by patriarchy um, that even her, their, their fundamental forms are, are altered currently. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like going off the rails here. So fully admit that maybe I'm just like riffing on something really wild. But Mokosh to me reminds me of a different reality. She reminds me of a different way of thinking about things. Um, and, uh, and it connects me to other things that we've talked about in, in, in our Greco-Roman festivals and, and deities of the Chthonic underworld goddesses and festivals. Um, and, you know, starting to see all of that as like, I don't know, just a paradigm shift of not just seeing ourselves go on the underworld journey, but seeing ourselves as the underworld journey um, and allowing ourselves to become that darkness and understand the richness in that process, um, witnessing uh, and inviting in true profound, fundamental, shocking, um, altering change and embracing it and being in our bodies, being in our skin. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> here's those moments where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing right in this moment, but <laughs> these things needed to get said. Um, and these symbols came up and this goddess was like, hey, please talk about me right now and, and say these things. And so I'm like, <laughs> trying to oblige. Um, okay. So Mokosh's festival, October 29th. Check her out. She's pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Here is your um, weekly wrap up. Okay. Our lunar phases this week move from Leo into Virgo, into Libra, into Scorpio. So from Libra, or excuse me, from Leo to Scorpio, we are fixing on that fixed vibe, right? Um, uh, the first lunar portion of fall was all cardinal signs. We were opening up the season of fall and now we have all fixed signs. So we are fixing the season of fall in place. Um, for our astrology for this week, let me refer to my notes and they are uh, Venus in Sagittarius sextile Jupiter in Aquarius at 22 degrees. We have the moon in Scorpio, excuse me, the sun in Scorpio square Saturn in Aquarius at seven degrees. Mars is moving into Scorpio. Uh, we have Mercury in Libra trine Jupiter in Aquarius at 22 degrees. 
We have Mercury in Libra square, Pluto in Capricorn at 24 degrees. And that is, uh, and then uh, Mars, or excuse me, Mercury leaving the shadow phase of this last retrograde season. Next week, we have our new moon in Scorpio. That is our uh, Samhain new moon. Um, we will have Venus entering Capricorn and we have Mercury entering Scorpio. And so that is three planets in Scorpio. We'll see how spicy that feels. <laughs> um, and uh, for folks that are subbed over on my Patreon, um, y'all are going to be getting an extra astro overview for this season. Specifically, we're going to be looking at a chart uh, overview or a chart reading for uh, the moment of Solar Samhain, which is November 6th or 7th. And if you're like, what is Solar Samhain? Take the class, baby. <laughs> Find out more, uh, you know, in the places that I'm at. Sign up for the newsletter. Who knows when the next one's coming out? I'm terrible about it. I'm so sorry to the people who have signed up in good faith. And I, I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I swear I'm going to try to do better. <laughs> Uh, check out my website, sign up to Patreon for lots and lots and lots more. Uh, I've got a YouTube channel as well. You know, all the platforms. <sighs> Can't get away from it. Happy Samhain season, my heathens and witches and pagans and polytheists. And, you know, those of you who know better. Uh, <laughs> um, I hope the veil is nice and thin for you. I hope it's a little weird. Um, and I hope that you give yourself an opportunity to die and to rot and to fall down and to become chthonic and dark and wet because that is where uh, the richness is. That's the true gold um, is in that dark black potential. Blessed be.